Podcast name Blame Nobody Sunday Hurry Up Edition S&P Plus Reveal. Bill, you have an extra set, an extra uh, data set of the S&P Plus analytics. We're going to do something <laughs> a little different up front. Yeah. Please explain to the people before we get to the S&P Plus top 25, what are you about to break down? So basically, like we did the top 30 last week. If we did the top 30 this week, it, it would basically be the same. There's no, not a lot of fun talking about 26 through 30 right now. But if you go to the SB Nation post where I revealed S&P Plus this morning, uh, you'll see that I included what a team's ranking would be uh, without preseason projections involved. Um, I figured this was telling, number one, because it, it would stop people yelling at me about freaking Baylor. I know Baylor's ranked too high. They're falling. They're going to keep falling, so shut up about it already. Uh, that's to, to everybody posting that at my, uh, on Twitter. But, um, but basically, there are some teams that are clearly that have, have done everything they could possibly do early in the year. Uh, maybe they probably haven't played anybody for the most part, but they, for the but they've they've looked really really good. And if not for preseason projections, they'd be like top fifteen or so. I thought it'd be a lot more fun to talk about five of those teams instead of simply rehashing what we rehash, what we talked about last week. Okay, so this, so, so what you're doing just for everyone who's listening, you're taking the normal S and P plus and you're pulling all of the preseason out of it. Correct. All right. And it creates some really messed up rankings. Like UCF is number 11 right now. And they've played one game. Like, so there's some messed up. There's, there are very clear reasons why I keep the preseason projections in there for to a certain degree uh, and phase them out slowly. But I thought it would be a, an interesting little experiment to check it out anyway. Okay, go for it. Let's do your, let's right. do the top five most interesting teams without preseason expectations. And then we'll jump straight mm-hmm. into, the, into the 25 and recap. And okay. let's go. All right, so I'm going to skip UCF because it was a one-game thing, uh, but they are number 11 if preseason projections weren't involved. Uh, we're going to first talk about Houston. They would be number 17. They are number 33 overall. They have not really eased my concerns at all when it comes to offense, uh, but if your defense is good enough, it doesn't freaking matter at all. What's super interesting to me about Houston is another team that would be on this list in the top 25, if not for preseason rankings. Yeah. So I'm going to bridge you right over. It was a game obviously canceled by Hurricane Harvey. So two really good mid-majors that didn't play each other, and that's UTSA in Houston. Yeah, and that's UTSA has played more than uh, – well, I mean, Houston has too, I guess. But they've both looked – well, I mean, they've looked the part. They've looked exactly like they needed to look. Uh, Ed Oliver is freaking Ed Oliver, and, and nothing else really matters at this point. Obviously, Rice is hopeless, um, but they just bolted to a 38 nothing lead at halftime. Uh, the only reason that, like I, I said, my, my concerns are, are not eased yet, it's because it was Rice. Uh, but Kyle Allen was 31 for 33 passing. Uh, and they gave up a little charity field goal late, but I mean, man, they've they've done what they needed to do, and and uh, doing a segue into the next one, uh, UTSA. Uh, obviously, you're only going to prove so much against Southern, although some HP, other HBCUs have been winning, and so handling your business is uh, you know a good thing. But after their Baylor win, uh, they followed that up with uh, by going up 48 nothing against Southern at half, and uh, hard to top that. Can I uh, make a recommendation here? Sure. Number nine on the S&P Plus Week 4 rankings without preseason projections is a team that I got to watch last night in person, and that would be the Vanderbilt Commodores. They beat a very good Kansas State team. We don't know how good, but very good in the turn. When I frame it like this, Vanderbilt beat a non-conference ranked opponent at home for the first time since 1946. So that's pretty good for Vanderbilt. (laughs) Um, They're 3-0. They beat a Middle Tennessee State team that beat Syracuse. Not that we believe in transitive on this program. And then they beat the crab out of Alabama A&M. They get Alabama proper uh, this week, yep. but I did get to see them. 
Uh, super short summation, Bill. Their defense is really, really good. Their offense yep. is still really, really work in progress. Yeah, I mean, they got the second touchdown because of a short field and and, uh, and almost fumbled it on their way into the end zone. So offense is still probably going to keep them from challenging Alabama for too long, although Alabama has been really pretty shaky on passing downs, and Vanderbilt will certainly take advantage of that. Um, no, I mean, their defense is – this has been really interesting. I, you know, the it's not necessarily that they've got a good defense – or even that they've got a better defense than they had with Zach Cunningham. The personality of this defense has changed drastically in terms of havoc and aggression and all that. And that's not what I expected to see. Like even in the instance of a good Vanderbilt team this year, and I realize who thought we Vandy was going to be good and who wasn't here. Yeah. Um, but in the instance of a good Vandy team, I thought it was going to be kind of a semi-bend-don't-break kind of effective, good tackling kind of defense and a better offense. Offense might not be better at all, but the defense has gone forward by like eight steps, and that's not what I expected at all. No, um, they, they are fundamentally better in every way, shape, and form on defense. They're incredibly good on pass defense. They're incredibly good in obvious passing situations. They can get pressure without, without setting up blitzes and sending extra. They um, are just... I don't know. I don't know about the SEC East when it comes to that offense. Um, I don't know. We're, we're in a world yeah. where Kentucky's 3-0, so I don't know. I, I, <laughs> just transition me out of here before I try and yeah, reconcile the one. SEC East. The, the second to last team we're going to talk about in terms of teams that are rising but aren't in the overall top 25, Michigan State. Michigan State, the Spartans. Uh, these up-and-comers uh, with a brand-new head co- No, wait, they don't have a new head coach. They have the same coach, and, and they lost all their, their two deep in the offseason. But they're still they're playing at a top-40 level so far. Uh, top-10 level so far, really, and they're 39th overall. Um, they didn't play this week. I, I just wanted to acknowledge them as much as anything. I wrote in the, in the Michigan State preview that, I mean, their only hope for the season was if everybody who was left, because there was still some talent left, if after the massive turnover they experienced and all the, the, the bad headlines and the bad finish to last year and all that, if they just like they, they looked around at what they had and, and crafted something new. Uh, the defense has looked like a Michigan State defense so far. Last year's defense didn't even look like a Michigan State defense. Uh, so good for them so far. Obviously, you know, you have to keep it up 10 more times. The last team I want to mention, this is basically the entire reason I wanted to go through this exercise. Your number five team in S&P Plus is... If there were no preseason projections involved, your Wake Forest Demon Deacons. What? Wake Forest Demon Deacons, uh, fifth overall. And you know why? Because they are crushing teams. They are not playing anybody. This is true. Uh, but they have so far taken on Presbyterian and beaten them 51-7. to They took on Boston College, beat them 34-10, which, if I remember correctly, um, well, that's right, Notre Dame pulled away late. But it was uh, I think this one was put away more quickly than what Notre Dame did to Boston College. And then this last week on homecoming, on September 16th, homecoming for Wake Forest, 46-10 against a not completely terrible Utah State team. Uh, really impressed with what they've done so far. Obviously, they haven't played anybody of note. They, it's not like they, they whooped Florida State or something. Uh, and now they get App- Appalachian State next week and Florida State at home. And then at Clemson the week after that. Um, so this could change drastically. But while I had the chance, I wanted to point out that they have absolutely positively handled their business. This was a lot of work to mention how great Wake Forest is at football for this one crystalline little moment in time. But I appreciate your effort because that's what podcasting Damn, Play Nobody right. is about. So now we move on to the real top 25. Well, actually, uh, real fast, just because I know people are going to be curious. If there was no preseason input whatsoever, the top 10 real fast, yes. Wisconsin 10, Vanderbilt 9, Oklahoma 8, Michigan State 7, 
Miami six, Wake. Another one, another one team, uh, one game yeah. team, by the way. Wake five, Washington four, Oklahoma State three, Penn State two, Mississippi State obviously fresh off that inexplicable blowout of LSU, <laughs> number one. Not a lot to actually argue with there. So if you think the preseason poisons Bill's numbers, it's um, – I don't know. If you, if, you, if you have a problem with Bill's numbers, it's not just the preseason. I'll put it that way. So let's jump straight into the top 25, Bill. Um, yeah. Let's go in groups of five just so we can keep the yeah. tempo up. Number 25, your Virginia Tech Hokies. Number 24, Oregon. Number 23, Texas. Number 22, Ole Miss. And number 21, Florida. This is a pretty eclectic group here in, in terms of where <laughs> they're going, why they're here. Ole Miss obviously trending downward. They lose at Cal. They Their offense disappears on the road in what we thought was going to be a Pac-12 after dark game that was really entirely lackluster. One and two Texas is in the top 25. Bill, I think I'm okay with that. I would hope so. Uh, they actually fell down a couple spots, which surprised me. Um, they really are. They're getting dragged down right now from Maryland because they were fine against San Jose State and they were fine against USC. Neither team could run the ball, uh, so their offensive numbers didn't really do much. But uh, both, te- but they looked they looked like a top twenty or twenty five team. That defense did a tremendous job uh, early in the game, and then the offense came alive late. Got a super bad bounce on that fumble in the overtime, but it was a really really fun game. That was what I hoped for. Tom Herman teams as underdogs are amazing and they really put up a nice fight i hate to say i'm interested in virginia tech because now three teams i said i've been very interested in are and yeah <laughs> i was gonna stanford, mention that everybody we say we're super curious about stanford bombs. auburn lsu have all fallen prey to the we're curious about so let's just ignore virginia tech for the time being and let's move on up to the next <laughs> set number 20 the louisville cardinals number 19 georgia number 18 notre dame number 17 your mississippi state bulldogs uh and number 16 tcu again sort of a crush of um, an interesting group. Mississippi State and Georgia play each other this weekend. That's going to be something to talk about. LSU, yeah. spoiler alert, is above Mississippi State. So let's put a pin in Mississippi State for a second, Bill. TCU on its heels early in the skillet against SMU. They come back. What is TCU right now? I'm really thinking TCU is TCU. Okay. Not, not 2014 TCU. Um, but like about 85% of 2014 TCU, they're efficient on defense. They've got their explosive on offense again. Uh, I really, really like TCU. What do you, do you feel okay with Louisville at 20? I feel like that feels right. Yeah, they I were mean, what? Uh, yeah, I mean, they were in the high teams what, I, last week. Yeah, they were 14th last week. They fell to, uh, to 20th overall. And they're ranking without any projections whatsoever as 63rd because they really did just get the utter crap kicked out of them this last week. And against Purdue, they weren't amazing. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they're getting propped up a little bit by the preseason numbers, but they still have a lot of last year's team, so I'm okay with that. And they just – Man, Clemson's freaking good. Um, yeah. I, I I really like that was the takeaway I got from watching that game last night. It was I mean, Louisville clearly clearly hasn't taken another step forward from last year. So there's that takeaway, too. But I, I think they're still a top 20 team. And I think Clemson was just that defense is just nasty. Number 15, the Miami Hurricanes. Number 14, a little confusing. We'll get to it in a second. And it might actually be news to you. But Stanford did lose at San Diego State in the dark very late at night. Number 13, Oklahoma State. Number 12, Auburn. Number 11, Michigan. All right, Auburn. Um, just explain it so I don't have to. 
Well, they're, I mean, it's all right there. They fought, they fell a little bit. They're 46th if you take projections out, but the projections are propping them yeah. up. Same as Stanford. They're 30, whatever, 36th overall uh, without projections, but projections are propping them up. And they really, I mean, it took a, a decent number of things for them to lose that game last night, but they fell. Uh, again, teams at the top here don't fall very quickly because there's there's a just a, a you know they're they're still separated from the crush a little bit like once you get down to about 20 that's when you start to see the teams dropping by instead of three or four or five spots dropping by 10 or 12 or whatever um so yeah they just they haven't quite lived up to what they were supposed to they're not they haven't been great but they're getting propped up and there's a reason they're getting propped up so there's my uh spiel and by and and then osu by the way moving up four spots uh, 213th. This was SP was like, and I've said it many times, like the defense for OSU has been the question mark yeah. there. Uh, really low projection for the defense. Defense has been, has been given lots of leeway this year. It hasn't had, hasn't had to be perfect, has been able to take some chances. It's worked out for the, really well for the most part. Uh, eventually they'll have to play defense and we'll see if Also can. worth mentioning, Pittsburgh's way down at 69. Nice. Uh, yeah, they're they, probably, they, they've fallen quickly. They're not yeah. going to give them the boost that, you know, what is, so what have we been through now? It's uh, uh, Tulsa, South Alabama, and Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, so Oklahoma State's probably two weeks away from probably getting getting a better shake from the S&P Plus. I, think, I feel comfortable with that. Now, with Auburn and Stanford, I feel a hell of a lot better about 1-2 and two Stanford than I do about 2-1 and one Auburn. I don't really – I mean, I, Auburn messed around. They fumbled a lot the other night, but it wasn't I, – I, I th- Auburn's defense is still really, really, really good, and that gives them a leeway in a lot of games. Not against Alabama. <sighs> But against everybody else, I mean, their defense is just good. I watched the Clemson game last week. Uh, I mean, they stuck to those receivers. They Their secondary is very good. Their defensive line is very good. If their offensive line hadn't given up 11 sacks, they'd be 3-0 and right now, and we'd be, you know, not saying anything. So to keep, it, keep this in mind. Yeah. They are, part of your impression right now is they got clemson just like Louisville got Clemson. And we might be looking back on both of those things as a product of Clemson a lot more than either Alabama or Louisville. I'm also looking at a really, really poor, poor, poor performance on offense against Mercer. Sure. And the fact that they're only claimed the only thing they can hang their hat on right now is beating up on Georgia Southern and New Hampshire did the same thing. So well, defense, though, they they have a very, very good defense to hold their hat on. I, I think the offense on. may be in, in such a state that it doesn't matter because the, the the offenses that they're set to face in that division, you can play three and a half quarters, but eventually you're going to have to score some points. And I'm just completely, I'm starting to buy in into the Auburn panic <laughs> well, of Auburn fans. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I don't know about that because they're going to play Arkansas. Arkansas's offense isn't very good. Ole Miss, who the hell knows? LSU did not past the first test they got and then here's the other thing uh that game yesterday uh they fumbled five times and they lost four of them so first of all fumbling five times not optimal uh but if they lose two of those fumbles they probably win by 30 points or like 28 points they average six and a half yards per play they put gain over 500 yards they double them up in first downs uh, if you look at all just the individual stats this all looked like your typical auburn went over a decent fcs team. if they're a gutty defensive like, team that goes nine and three everyone's going to be beside themselves in typical auburn Auburn fashion bill well I mean I think uh, the last thing I'll say about Auburn is that if if Auburn is a top 10 caliber team they might go eight and four uh, so if they're only defense this will eventually catch up to them but I I'm not worried just welcome yet. to life in that division uh number 10 USC coming off the Texas win number nine LSU so now we get to talk about what in the world happened in Starkville number eight Wisconsin just comfortably anonymous in the good teams <laughs> uh number seven Washington kind of right there with them 
Number six, my vote for the best team in college football, I think, right now is Clemson. Um, okay, there's a lot to there. I hate to say this, there's a lot to unpack. There, and we can spend some time here, Bill, because I think uh, six through ten is way more interesting than one through five right now. Yeah, there's really only one change in one through five, so we can spend. We've got like twelve minutes left here. Ah, uh, USC. Let's start there. Yeah, yeah. Good, functional. Doesn't matter. Sure. Honestly, doesn't matter. Now, in terms of rankings, this feels about right. Looks about right. I think you probably feel the same way. In terms of function, they're three and zero. Doesn't matter that you sputtered against Western Michigan early. Doesn't matter about big game Herman and and the fact that you were equal to an opponent that got blown out by Maryland. Doesn't matter. You're three and zero. You're setting the table very nicely to do what you were supposed to. I know that they want to look yeah. more dominant. They're not, but this is a good football team. Yeah, I mean, the fact that they dropped three spots uh, after nearly losing to Texas, I, I mean, that makes perfect sense. I'm, I wasn't worried about it because I expected Texas to give them a really good game. So uh, I was happy to be – I was wrong about a few things. I was happy to be right about that. Uh, but no, USC is just glitchy. Like, they first, you know, uh, a little bit the first three quarters against Western Michigan, a little bit yesterday, uh, they just didn't quite – your receivers dropping passes or not only dropping passes but ha- batting them up for it to, to get picked off for a pick six. You know, things like that. It took – it was such a fun, weird game that was fluky in both directions. You think about the pick six and you think about the, the, the touchdown at the end of the first half that USC scored where he just dumps it into, uh, to Jones in space and then Jones hits like eighth gear and just explodes to the corner of the end zone for a touchdown. Lots of weird momentum twists and everything in that game. It was just really fun. I'm not worried about USC. They have time. They probably have time to figure things out, but they are still a little glitchy, especially at receiver. Bill, I hate to say this in the middle of September. Uh, are we just now kind of sitting and waiting on this USC Washington Pac 12 championship game? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how it seemed at the beginning of the year. It was, you know, Stanford was a wild card, and Stanford has not passed its early tests. Uh, Oregon might become a wild card in the North. But, I mean, Colorado's defense is good. Uh, Utah is Utah. UCLA is, is you know, can, looks like they can suck anybody into a shootout. So it's not a given by any means, but it kind of seems that way. I, don't, I think they're just they're on a different plane than the other teams at this point. Uh, UCLA would definitely have something to say about it. But, they, you know, I, I, losing at Memphis is not what it used to be. Um, that's a really good football team in Memphis. But the way, the luck that UCLA had in coming back against A&M, you kind of yeah. thought maybe they were touched this year. Uh, LSU. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everything I was saying about how hard it is to fall too far, uh, they were, they fell seven spots. That's that's like falling 25 if you're somewhere in the middle. I just um, don't I, – I do not have a handle on this. I, I didn't see the game. I watched the game uh, from the press box, uh, like basically on a stat tracker. I had that game, and I had Texas USC pulled up as I was writing about Tennessee and watching Vanderbilt and K-State. So I don't have any observations or comments in terms of style, attitude, you know, any cliche about physicality. I just know this. I have an extreme familiarity with both programs and that part of the, the SEC. This doesn't happen. I don't know if no. Mississippi State is this good. If you if so, you told me they were, I would believe you. I still find it hard to believe that LSU is this bad, based on you know everyone is immediately going to sort of you know uh, pitchfork uh, Ed Orgeron, but this is not even this this doesn't even equate to the product that he created as an interim head coach. <laughs> so I'm 
I'm just sort of at a loss about LSU. Mississippi State probably that good. LSU, I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, Mississippi State, had, like, I mean, the Grantham experiment, bringing Todd Grantham over was perfect. Um, I know he was kind of maligned at Georgia, but every coach is maligned at Georgia, and then they go and they succeed elsewhere. Um, but, like, he, he, was, he did a really, really nice job at Louisville. And uh, he, you know, you were talking, I mean, I think the surprising part here is, you know, you were talking uh, midweek about how, you know, Grantham's goal here is going to be just to get pressure on Edling. Uh, and, and they did, uh, but they got pressure on everything. Yes. They just so this is okay. This is the most unfair thing I can possibly say, and I, this is my sports radio take that I don't completely mean. But now Ed Orgeron has to prove it wrong. Uh, Ed Orgeron has been the full-time head coach of four teams. All of them folded when they were punched in the mouth. Interesting. I mean, I don't expect it to continue, but. They just got their manhood challenged, and they didn't respond. They just got pushed over, and that was something I absolutely positively did not expect to see. And so you've got – I mean, you've got nine games left. This is act one of the season. There are plenty of other – plenty of ways for this to all uh, unfold, but the first time they got popped in the mouth, they responded like Orgeron's old teams, and that can't happen again. They're so unlike those other teams, though. That's what, that's what blows know, my mind. That's I mean, the thing. That was what – I did not expect it at all. Um, it's hard for us to, to quantify or qualify right now. This is probably one of the most shocking results <laughs> that I've seen in years. And and again, in no way, shape, or form am I trying to couch Mississippi State as being short-selling what they did. It's not even that. I think it's just it's the, it's the seven points on the other side of the board that shocks me that much yeah. because – Dan Mullen has a tremendous amount of success with defensive coordinators for about 16 games, like a year and a half, roughly. <laughs> yeah. He does really well with new blood, and then you settle in, and things tend to not work out after that. But when he gets a new coordinator in, things spark up really well at first. It does not shock me at all that Grantham was able to to scheme a defense that is really good uh, to become really great. But... The inability to respond. I think that, as I talk through it, Bill, what shocks me the most about that game was LSU's inability to adjust on both sides of the ball. It's a cliche, but it's also something that that you just assume from a program that's that talented. No, like the early going into the game, they were getting pushed around a little bit, and I kind of I, I flipped over. I started watching uh, the other games for a little while. I was DVR in it, so I'm like, all right, well, when, I'll keep up with the score. I assume LSU will start fighting back here at some point, and then I'll catch up to it on on DVR. Mm-hmm. And they didn't. Like it was so. Yeah, I mean, it was, it, the the fact that they slowed LSU down not not tremendously surprising. The fact that they had some offensive success not tremendously surprising. So okay, fine, they won twenty four to sixteen. <laughs> no. Uh, they won 37 to seven and it felt like it could have been worse than that. And that's just um, everything that we thought was different about this team wasn't on Saturday in Starkville. And now they, they kind of bear the burden of proof in a way. I didn't it expect. is funny that you talk about it, just modifying that final score a little bit, because I do think that if you, if you tack on a touchdown and, and take one off on both sides and we're, we're not, I, it, it's something I could expect. It's something that, Hey, Mississippi state is good experience. They're deep. It's funny, when I walked into the postgame at Vanderbilt and started talking to Mason, it's a very small environment, he immediately said, hey, did you guys see the Mississippi State score? That's indicative <laughs> of, well, I mean, he started, but he, he mentioned it because he talked about having depth and senior, you know, senior and junior leadership and that kind of stuff that we all 
kind of roll our eyes out a little bit, but at programs like Vanderbilt and Mississippi State, that's what it takes. But you're still in the SEC. You're still around a bunch of talented kids, and you can make it happen. Um, it's funny yeah. he equated his win with, with, with Mississippi State's, not in terms of stature or anything like that, but just sort of the, the blueprint, you know. Um, we can just run through this real fast, Bill. Uh, number yeah. five, Oklahoma. Number four, Penn State. Number three, Ohio State. Number two, Florida State. Number one, Alabama. Again, I, I don't have anything interesting to say about any of the wins here other than, <laughs> you know, I, I got to see through a box score that Tulane was hanging with Oklahoma for a minute because that game was $60 on pay-per-view. Um, yeah. And shout-out to James Franklin for icing Georgia State's kicker. Uh, Bama was Bama. Ohio State was exactly what I expected against Army, which was insanely respectful and and sort of adjusted <laughs> yeah. their dominance accordingly. It was very similar to yeah. the, the game they played in Landover against Navy a couple years ago. So um, that's it, it's a it, nothing's ever a good loss, but it's it's fine for Army. They knew what they were getting into in terms of talent and. Ohio State gets to win a game and not really answer any questions about Barrett, and so they sort of <laughs> trudge on. Um, I definitely think Penn State's the better team right now than Ohio State, but, yeah. I mean, at 3-4, it doesn't really matter. Well, I'm mean, good on Ohio State for figuring out. Like, their problem the last two years was that they didn't lose early. Um, so that now that they got it out, they had their most efficient performance in, like, 12 months. Uh, again, against Army, yes. Uh, but it was a nice rebound. They do. Ohio State does tend to respond well to losses, I guess. Uh, so there's that. But, yeah, Tulane, Oklahoma was, was was really kind of stunning to keep up with for a minute. But, yeah, so first quarter. Here's, here's uh, Tulane's success rate by quarter. First quarter, 60%. Nice. Unstoppable. Second quarter, 39%. Third quarter, 7%. <laughs> so they basically had, a, they had something scouted out. They, they, they milked it for all it was worth. And then when it was gone and OU adjusted, they had nothing else. But, um, but good on them for keeping up for a quarter and a half. I would like to point out, because of um, Hurricane Irma, you have Alabama 1 and Florida State 2. Uh, the only game that Florida State's played yeah. is against the uh, number one team who beat them. Yeah, basically, since they've only played one game, their their uh, rating is still ninety percent preseason. Um, so they're just they're just in stasis right now, just kind of waiting to to eventually do something. Uh, on, so, on a com- yeah, in terms of, I was gonna say, oh, on a completely ahead. serious note, to look at Florida State leaving the game against Alabama, losing losing badly and losing your quarterback for the year, this is shaping up to be something manageable, and that they've had this weird time off to get ready. Jimbo is very good at coaching quarterbacks. This is not yet a lost year by any stretch. No, I mean, Clemson looks maybe better than we thought. And by the way, Clemson's at six, uh, you know, whatever. They're, they're Ooh, I fine. skipped them. I'm sorry, uh, Clemson. I, well, I think we, we yeah, mentioned them very briefly. But, um, yeah, they, that was I, – I expected them to rise a little bit more than they did. Sometimes you have these weird games where sometimes a, a losing team drops a lot more than the winning team r- rises, and that seems to be what happened here. But, oh, well, they're fine. They're going to be fine. <laughs> For a game that I, you know, I saw bits and pieces of while I was doing, you know, when I was covering all the other stuff we talked about, that's exactly what I expected from Clemson. I think they're the best team in college football right now. I think they would beat Alabama right now. And I also expected exactly what I saw from Louisville, and that's okay. Yeah, I, I, I still don't completely. Clemson, well, I was going to say Clemson still doesn't have a run game. Clemson showed glimpses of a run game yesterday, and now and and so we'll see if they can now do that more. Um, but their offense is still pretty. I'm gonna I'm gonna make up a word and say their offense is pretty bursty. Okay. Because um, they against Auburn they they 
basically played things extremely close to the vest, extremely conservative, and then let Kelly Bryant throw towards the end of the first half when they were speeding up a little bit, and uh, suddenly they were completing a lot of tough passes. They scored a touchdown. They come out of the break. They score another touchdown, and that was it. That was over half their yardage in two drives. Uh, and yesterday, they still weren't very efficient running the ball, I don't think, uh, but they had big. They had two or three big plays. They got the pick six, and that was all they needed. So they're still in, an, in a mode offensively where they just get what they need. Uh, they haven't had to keep up in a shootout they might not have to with that defense um but that is still a concern of mine that basically just described Alabama too though um and then you've got other teams like Penn State and Oklahoma State and Oklahoma that have all the offense in the world and can score but we still have at least a few questions about their defense especially I mean OU has done a really nice job so far this year Penn State has has completely erased bad offenses um Oklahoma State has erased bad offenses so and 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 kind of erased Tulsa too who doesn't have a bad offense so I just want to jump back down real fast because when you mentioned Bursty I thought in the back of my head well you beat Auburn you beat Louisville um, you don't have to mess with – oh, there's a timer. You don't have to mess with Florida State for yep. a little while, all the way until mid-November. They, they've got smooth, smooth sailing with the exception of the number 25 team, and that's at Virginia Tech in two weeks. So yeah, a game we don't know enough about yet, but a game that's shaping up to be pretty good. Bill, that's your S&P Plus Yo. for this week. I will see you on Wednesday for our regular show.